Welcome to Grace Parents Podcast, our podcast for parents sponsored by Grace Covenant Church, where we equip you to encounter Christ, experience community, and extend the kingdom. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Grace Parents Podcast. Today, we're talking about identity, biblical identity, informing that in your children, and why you as a parent might have the most influential voice in shaping your child's identity. We believe every parent has a significant role in this, and that identity is one of the critical questions every individual needs to figure out an answer for. Who am I and what makes me me? We're going to discover what God's word has to say about that today. I'm here with my fearless co-host, Anika Ham. Anika, great to have you. Going to be so good. And we have a special guest today, which I'm so excited about. One of my favorite people in the war- world, Pastor Corey <laughs> Bendix. PK, how you doing? Uh, it's really good to be here. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, fun. Welcome to the it's office. Privilege. Yes, it's so good. So you, uh, Pastor Corey, have been working on a course for our parents here at Grace yes. on biblical identity. I'm really looking forward to that. Give me just an overview here of what uh, your understanding is, as you approach the question of identity, what is it we're actually talking about yeah, when we say question. identity? Um, so when we think about this really loaded term, um, it might be good for us to think of it through the lens of who am I, where, how do I fit, but also like, what is the truest thing about me? Yeah. Just, that's a loaded statement. The truest thing about me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that as is really at, at the heart of where of where this leads uh, us from a cultural side as well as from a biblical side is what what is the truest thing about me? And so now um, people have been trying to respond to this question for hundreds, really since eternity. Um, but for the last four hundred years, there's been a traditional approach of identity where you see it through the lens of the tribe, mm. community, mm-hmm. family. So identity is external. It is, I am a father. I am a brother. I am a husband. And the heroic as- expression of that identity is now, I am sacrificing myself for the good of the tribe. Right. Right? Right. Like that is what life has always been known. Well, not always, but for the last 400 years, especially. Mm-hmm. And now we're at a shift. Yeah. And the shift is uh, not um, that I, I am the sum total of sacrifice for my tribe, but my, the her- heroic act is I'm expressing who I am from within. Yeah. Finding that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the great Moana and, um, you know, uh, frozen right of uh of trying to find who you are and breaking away from the tribe in order to now express that from within so it's now we have these things like live your truth yeah Yeah. that becomes uh, now this attempt to try to find our identity the truest thing about us now you mentioned moana could you sing a little bit of? no i'm just kidding yeah no one wants that you will lose followers you gave a lot of great points but that was the only thing i took away no (laughs) um no this is true this is the shift from the collective to the individual this is where we are moving as a society and that's actually honored more is to find that identity from within uh Corey, you've got four kids ranging from college to Jeremiah's how old now? Just turned 13. Yeah, so so 20, about to be 20, 18, 
16, 13. Incredible. Great ages. Great ages. Seriously, it's an adventure. Anika, you've got teenage boys as well. Talk about how you've seen this begin to unfold as your boys are really going through that, that age now where they're beginning to challenge, ask questions. Is everything I grew up hearing about being taught, is that real? And identity comes from that. So what's, what's been the conversation been like in your household? I think the tensions that I've been seeing with, with our, we have two teenagers and one preteen. Um, the tensions we have um, really navigated are the influences of friends, mm-hmm. of what teachers are saying and guiding them to be more open-minded, um, to really consider how they feel as opposed to what's been instilled. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been challenging, but it's also allowed for us to have some great conversations. Um, in our home, we really try to not just squash down their questions or even right. doubts, but we really look to navigate um, how they're feeling and what they're thinking and then pivoting their perspective to look at what does God say? What's in the word? Because if we are just allowing our kids to navigate life with how they feel, yeah. as opposed to using the word of God as their barometer, um, that's going to lead to a lot of confusion, um, and just then taking paths that are not in, in line with what God has called them to walk. So good and so true. And this is the shift, you know, we're seeing it's was this inherent community. I have a role in the family, I have a role in the tribe to now a shift, which, which really, I don't even know if that's the purest form we're trying to get back to, but that's just the shift because that becomes my identity is the role I play. So I am what I do for this family. I am what I do for this community, and I'm defined by what I do, which is not even the goal here. Then it's this new shift, which is look within yourself, find out who you think you are. So I am what I think about myself. And if you're not sure what you think about yourself, what you begin to do is, well, well, what do my friends think about me? So you guys tell me who I am. I'm, I'm the funny one. Okay, so I'll just be the funny one because my value in this dynamic is that I bring humor or I have the most stuff, so I'm the guy, you guys come to my house to do things with me or I'm the whatever. And so we begin to be defined by what others say. And there are some key voices in that conversation missing. Pastor Corey, talk to me about how as parents, we... Uh, what is our role in that conversation? Because there's so many voices yeah. that begin to shape um, our self-perception what is the parent's role to begin to form and to shape something in that? Yeah, th- this is this is where it gets really messy. I think um, I think one thing that parents have to be aware of and just come to grips with is that um, is that uh, our understanding of, for example, biblical marriage um, for many of our of our students, most of our teenagers, they don't they don't get that, mm-hmm. and so it, we're going to have to just settle into the fact taking the long approach, the long game approach of, of patiently explaining and bringing in a biblical understanding of what we do and why we do it, specifically with marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, but even like seven out of 10 teens believe that all religions are the same. Well, that, I mean, that's like the, the way the shift and the impact of, of how society, I mean, I heard Trevin Wax, he said that there's two cultural commandments Commandment number one, be true to yourself. Commandment number two, affirm whatever your neighbor decides yeah, uh, right. to be true. Right. And so, so those are the two commandments of life. And so our, our kids are formed in that, they're shaped in that, they're steeped in that. And then, and then now our job as parents is to contend for 
and to create a compelling narrative about what does the Bible really say about you? Do you achieve your identity or is this something that you receive? And that like, that is like, that is almost a foreign language for our kids. And, and so to, to have ongoing patient conversations that, in, that allow for there to be space for the messiness where you're not trying to, to um, demand something, but that there is, there is a, an attitude of, of, um, of embodied love, care, and compassion. Mm. Yeah, this um, this achieve your identity versus receive it is such <laughs> a compelling thought because we all live there, right? And then yeah. our instinct is I have to go and become, I have to go and do to have it. Um, and I love, Tim Keller has thoughts ab- ab- about this um, where he speaks of the self-referential identity is an unlivable one. Firstly, because it's unstable, because you can't have everything that you want to have. It's like, I want to be fit and look great, and I want to eat whatever I want whenever I want. I want to you know, be successful, and I want to have a lot of free time and leisure. And it's like, well, well you can't have both. We're a bottle of contradiction. A bottle of contradiction, right? And then, it's, and, then, and then it's crushing, because then what you do want to, to, to achieve or do or be, if you don't attain it, then it's just, then you have failed. And now this new thing settles in as, as failure. Anika, if you're counseling moms and dads and parents who are facing this with their, with their, I wasn't gonna say teens, but really kids. And here's the trick of this whole thing. It starts with us. Like you can't give what you don't have. So for most of us, it's like, we might be hearing this for the first time and going, I need to do some identity work on myself before I can coach it in my, in, in my kids. But if, if you're providing counsel to a parent on this, how are you encouraging them? Well, for me, I, I think what's been really helpful and key for myself and the moms and the parents that I've encouraged is getting community mm-hmm. because we're not doing this by ourselves. And, and we don't always have all the, the best answers or, or know how to navigate each and every situation. But as we're getting community and getting a prayer with others, um, I, I, I have a prayer partner that I we we pray with each other every week. And I can't tell you how God has spoken in those moments to just help lead me through things um, and just help equip me to then be ready before my kids bring me stuff. We don't want to get ready when they're asking the questions. We need to get ready before they come to us with all the things. And so that means I'm having my daily time with the Lord as well. I'm in the word. Um, And then I can hear from God when one of my boys comes to me. And it's not just my great ideas of how they should navigate this, but it's really the Holy Spirit that comes and helps lead in those moments to prepare me. It's really good, man. We can't understate the power of community, of encouragement, and then just even that outside perspective and that balancing perspective, which is like, you know, when you're in it every day and your kids are going through things, it's like the end of the world. It's like it's the most important, significant, impactful, painful, serious, urgent thing now. And then you find out like, oh, and everybody's there. Oh, so maybe, okay, so maybe I take a deep breath. You know, I was looking through this um, access tool that we have on identity. Um, If you don't have access, we have it for uh, Grace Covenant Church. You can 
email, probably just info at Grayson. I don't know, somebody uh, info at Grayson. They can give you a login, all kinds of resources and tools. So I was looking at the access tool and it tells a story of um, a parent who had teens who will try to essentially try on false identities first because a part of it is discovering what am I not? And so it was like they might bleach their hair. They might get piercings. They might go through a phase of wearing certain types of clothes. And it's like the parents tend to overreact and overcorrect, but there was the grandma who had the perspective to kind of go like, I understand it's a phase. So I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to condemn. I'm not going to like rush in too fast, too hard. Don't ever do it. Right. Because part of discovering and growing, especially through these years, is learning what I'm not. And sometimes that takes a venture into, do I say these types of things? Do I do these types of things? And I can imagine, Corey, you can speak to this as a parent, how uh, just the tension of that to kind of watch your kids go through phases where you're like, I really want to just put a stop to that, but I also want to allow them to figure out what they're not. (laughs) That's so, because there's sometimes where you have to step in. There's sometimes where you have to go, this is not how we live in this family because this is completely opposite of of the book. And, And so, yeah, I think when it comes to this whole philosophy of expressive individualism, which is just a fancy way of saying that how people respond to their identity when it comes to students, and even it's not even to students, I mean, 91%, this is a Gallup poll, 91% of people agreed with the following statement. The best way to find yourself is to look inside of yourself. I mean, I don't even know what that even means. But, but th- that somehow there is something in me that is there that is the, it's the crown jewel. And I'm just trying to discover that and then unlock that in order to now live into that. And so now it, it's all about you start, your identity is discovered by looking inward. and so. It's really about desires and emotions. And once you find a desire or emotion that you deem as the desire or emotion for that moment, now you look around. So you start by looking inward, then you look around and bring people around you that support what you have discovered. And, and you need that. You need the community. And what's, it's, it's fascinating how we live in a world that says you don't need anybody else to tell you who you are. But <laughs> the way that your identity is reinforced by community. And so now you look around and you gather and you, and as long as they are affirming, then you will allow them to speak into your life. And then, but there's still something missing in that whole discovery process. And so now you look up and you ask for the divine to now give his, his sprinkle or his fingerprint to, uh, to confirm what you have affirmed, right? So it's, it's looking in, looking around and looking up and and but there's danger there's so much there's so much danger when it comes to this because we all can have preference and opinion that's all that's normal that's a part of life but when you begin to moralize your preference into absolute truth it brings absolute chaos so good that's true that's true that's true i mean this is this is Jeremiah says that the heart is desperately sick oh, and it's not to be trusted above nasty. all else. Right. And what's, this is for me, the cognitive dissonance of this conversation, which is that if we, if we looked inward at our truest self, mm. kind of took off the facade. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anika's starting to do it now going like, Oh, don't, don't keep talking. It's going to get ugly for me. Right. And, and you begin to peel back kind of all the layers of self-control and image that you work so hard every day to maintain, 
Like, this is who I'm trying to be. And you just look at the core depravity of your soul. You realize how, how ugly and how wrong and how twisted it is. And then what we're teaching, not we, but what culture teaches is like, yeah, go there and find out who you are. Look in at that plate. Look at you. And we're going like, that might be the worst part that's, of me. And that's that's not where an idea. That's dumpster fire yes. is what it is. What are you going to get when you go dumpster diving? You're going to get garbage, right? And so there's got to be then some lens. And this is where this conversation gets really sticky in our culture, right? And people start to get really offended when we start to talk about this idea that like the answer is not within and self-determination is, is not the way. In fact, children and even adults ourselves need to be written on by others, yeah. need to have the word of God written on them. And there are desires, preferences, things that you'd like or want to be that are um, out of line with scripture that we would say have to be cut away, that you have to die to those parts of you. And even though you might want to be that, if that's not what scripture calls you to be, actually you're out of line with God and you've got to repent from that in turn. And so you don't get to choose your truth and live your truth. And you don't get to self-identify with these different types of things. And and there's a part for some of us that hear that and go, well, I don't, I don't like that. I should allow my child to tell me what they want to be. And sure, if that's a fireman or a or an astronaut, but not when it comes to like whether I'm a boy or a girl or or what my preferences are in sexuality. And that's where this conversation gets sticky and a little messy. But if we as parents go like, well, you know, just let them figure it out. Well, man, then you're surrendering. And for me, the big thing of this whole conversation, the whole, whole podcast is the seat of authority and leadership's parents have to sit in and they can't just resign to like, well, if it happens, it happens. No, no, no. You have a voice that shapes this. Have 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 you had these conversations yet? Are they starting to come up in your household? What's that like? Oh, so often. Yeah, is it? Is it? Yeah. <laughs> so many things um, come to mind that we've navigated, um, and so I try, or my husband and I try to make it practical. Mm -hmm. See, we totally believe in the power of the Word of God, and for us to combat the thoughts and the influences that our children are interacting with or the things they think about that are on repeat, um, often a lot of negative talk or not believing in themselves. Um, something practically that we've done since they were little is identify Bible verses to combat the lies in their minds. Um, and so I've done that for years. Recently, I did something a little differently. Um, it was for Valentine's Day. I tried to, besides little candies mm -hmm. and cards mm -hmm. and gifts, I try to do something that will um, teach them to not just um, think about others and their family members, but to help them learn how to love themselves. Yeah. And so this year I said, I love affirmations, but I want affirmations that are biblically aligned. Yeah, yeah, and so I looked up some verses um, and, and just thought about some things that I wanted them to really be meditating on daily. And so I printed out a list of affirmations, and for each affirmation, there's a Bible verse that goes with them. Yeah, now, if you don't have the time to do this, you can also do a Google <laughs> search. Yeah, yeah. Google yeah. affirmations. Yeah. Um, I had I had some time, um, and so here's here's a couple of, of yeah. them. I am God's workmanship, Ephesians two ten, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Another one, I am made in God's image, Genesis 1, 27. So God created human beings in his own image. 
In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so because I am so, um, so excited for the word of God and that my children would have it deposited in their heart, I know it's not going to like return no fruits right. when they're reading that word Good. every day. And so I put this on a Word document. I printed out one for each of them, and they, all three of them said, oh, I'm going to hang this in my room. And I'm like, that's a great idea. And I had like about 15 of them. I said, look, just choose two or three of them and read them each day. Yeah. And when you're having those negative thoughts and you're feeling confused, go back to God's word. There is power in that. And let his truth reign in your mind yeah. and in your heart. I love that. That is truly rewiring, reforming the thoughts and mind, which scripture has the power to do. Corey, let's talk about the good news here. So we've <laughs> talked about the challenges yeah. of identity, right? We've yeah. talked about where it comes from, the sources, all that negative self-talk. I'm defined by what I have. I'm defined by what I do. I'm defined by what others say about me. I'm defined by what I say about myself. And, and here we are now going, you know, there's a role scripture has yeah. in defining who we are. And, and the point of scripture is to what is to point to Jesus. And so talk to me about how, where our identity does come from, and yeah. then how do parents administer that and minister that yeah. to their children over the long contend haul? For it. Yeah, and contend for it. Yeah, yeah that's good. I think um, here recently, I've been fascinated with this biblical motif of naming mm. in the Bible. I mean, from Genesis 1 and 2, you have God, and he, he names everything that's going on when it comes to the creation and then he names Adam and Eve. Yeah. What in in antiquity whatever you name you have authority over, right? And so and then what's fascinating is that then he look turns to Adam and says I want you to name the, the creatures. Mm-hmm. Well, what's he doing? He's now giving authority to Adam regarding now it's it's a it's it's the image of God reflected in Adam doing what God does on the earth. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And so now, and then even in like in Genesis 12, God's commitment, I will make your name great. I mean, everything about the biblical story is this God's commitment to take, to give us his name and then to partner with that identity in, in the world that we live in. But here's the, here's, here's the chaos is that look at Genesis 11. What is that? It's the Tower of Babel. Mm-hmm. What happened at Babel? It is man saying, I want to make my name great. That's right. So now it's, it's mankind building this, this structure to get to the throne room of God, to usurp the authority of God, kick God out to now take that authority upon themselves. And then from this point forward, they would be now uh, the creators of their identity. Mm. This, I mean, we're talking about Genesis 11, yeah, right? From the start. And so... And even the name Babel in Akkadian means, it means um, the throne room of God. But what's fascinating is that the result of Babel is, is in, in, again, it's, it's this ironic twist. In Hebrew, it means confusion. So they were trying to get to the throne of God to become God, but it always ended up in confusion. So, wow. so now you, you have mankind who's working to try to attain their own name and working with all of their might to create autonomy, 
distance from God so that they can be their own God. Like this is the, the story of the human heart from the very beginning. So all of this like live your truth stuff, man, this has been going on. We've just, we're just put, putting new language to it. And then, and then what, what I love about even the, the way that this, this, this whole theme of naming continues is that in John, you have, in John 10, you have, you have Jesus who says, I'm the good shepherd and, and I know my sheep and I know them by name. By name. And even in Philippians 2, when you have, you have the story of Jesus and, and what he is willing to do to give humanity his name is he's willing to leave his own identity and he's willing to give up his own body. So with all of like the transgender discussions about no one understands, no one understands, you have a God in Jesus who is willing to give up his very body wow. to be deformed in order for us to be formed. I mean, this is like this is the biblical storyline of God's commitment to to not um, lead or to not expect for us to achieve identity, but to receive it. And when we receive it, when we actually receive what what He has made for us from the very beginning, which is an identity we cannot attain ourselves, but we only can attain from the One who has formed us. Man, there is security. There is safety. There, we can breathe. There is the oxygen of hope. And so I think going back to our kids and contending for, like, cre- recreating the gospel story in a way that is so compelling and that allows for them to see that this is real. I mean, we have a God who's a father and that the truest thing about all of us is the following. We are beloved, we're an image, and we're a son or a daughter. Like, that is the truest thing about us, about our kids, about us as as parents, as a father, as a single, doesn't matter. We are beloved, we are an image, and we are we are a son or, or a daughter. Let's let's we got like three minutes left. Let's talk about those three things because that's the the powerful and profound way to rewrite and to re-understand who we are and then minister that to our children. Because if the if the voices are all what these external things say about us, people, culture, co- community, or the internal voices, what we say about us, there is now what we're saying is a third divine voice from the creator who formed us and made us and knows us by name, knows the hairs on our heads, knit us together in our mother's wombs. He has something to say about us. He has spoken a truth over each and every one of us. And that truth is you are my son or my daughter. You are made in my image and I love you. And those three things are eternal unwavering, uncompromising, and cannot be changed. You cannot be made out of the image of God. God will not, you will not fall out of the love of God and you will not come out of the sonship or the daughtership of the living God. And if those truths begin to wash over you every day, and this even for me is, is, is very much so a lifelong journey of discovering and uncovering this. And I love Corey, the way you say, uh, we as parents should contend for this. Because it's not like, okay, we got the answer. We listened to the 30-minute podcast. We sat our kids down. Listen, you're a child of God. He loves you. You're made in his image. Good? Okay, we're done. We're talking to to kids who have goldfish memories. Mm -mm -mm. 
they remember things for 10 seconds. <laughs> so you got, I mean, it is on repeat. You have to like yeah. tell and retell and retell again for not for five years, but for the remainder of yeah. about a 25 year span. That's it. Every day, day after day and living it. And so I do believe there's a huge part of this that for us as parents, this truth needs to settle in our souls first. It needs to change us first. If this were like... <laughs> If we don't get this ourselves, there will be no way we can communicate this to our children because you're ministering out of a place you don't know anything truly about. And so there is a deep self-reflective work here that goes, when I think about God, what do I think about? And when God thinks about me, what does he think about? Am I his daughter? Am I his son? What does that mean if I'm his son? It means I'm born into his family. That means there's an inheritance. That means there's a love that goes beyond decision. Like in a marriage, I choose to love my wife for the rest of my life. That's a choice I'm making. I'm, I'm declaring that about, about her. And to my sons, I choose that, but there's also a different biological thing that happens that I don't know that they could ever fall out of my choice to love them. That's, there's a bond there that's deep. That's in how much more is God's love right? And the image made in that image of him, we are to reflect him, to live like him, to be like him, and then to be redeemed by him from what we were into what we ought to be. And this is the journey God has each of us on as parents and individuals first. And if that then transforms us, then when you look at your children and through these seasons of wandering, of bad decisions, of trial and error, of I think I want to do that. No, I think I want to do that. No, I think you go like, man, I can breathe deep in those seasons and I can love them through it and help them be rooted in it. Final thoughts. When we're doing that for ourselves, we're living it. We're not just teaching it or saying what we're supposed to say. And I think when we when we're living it, we're also ready to speak life into our children as opposed to when you have those frustrating, overwhelming moments. Like, are, are we labeling our kids in a way that is contrary to who God says he is? You know, like, I want to make sure that I'm in tune with the Lord. I know who I am. I know how God sees me. And so that when I speak into my kids' lives during some, you know, challenging moments, I can still speak life and biblical truth into who God says they are, even if they're not reflecting who God is mm. in them. And that's powerful. I think just, just a, a final thought, I, you know, going back to the traditional and modern views of identity, what's so cool about the prodigal son in Luke 15 is you've got both of those views locked up in that story. You've got a, a, a young child who says, I'm going to live mm -hmm. my truth. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. he balls out. Yeah. And he wastes it all. And, and then you have an older son. And what, what's, I mean, what's he doing? He's, he is putting the family first. But really what is revealed is that he wants his daddy's stuff. And then you have in Jesus, you have, you have the, the third son in the story who is making a way from both faulty views because there are gaps on both sides. There are mm -hmm. good things on both sides, but there are gaps on, yeah. on both sides. And, and I, I just, I think that at the heart of what we are trying to accomplish is that when we esteem the one that esteems us, then what grows is your self-esteem. And so to know that you have in Jesus one who esteems you, and then you come up underneath that esteem, and you receive that esteem, and you live into that esteem, and you reflect that esteem, what grows? Your self-esteem.
And so I, I just, I think there is, there's so much hope for parents that in spite of all of the voices and all of the challenges and everything that we feel like is against us, man, the spirit of God is working within our families to contend for the hearts of our kids. And, and our job is just to keep the fire alive, keep the fire of biblical identity alive. Because if we can do that in spite of the chaos, man, our kids will now be able to pass that along. That's so good. Man, thank you, Pastor Corey, for being with us today. So this uh, could have easily gone another 45 minutes. We might do part two on this, in fact, because of how significant this topic is, how hard it is to get our minds around. It's easy to understand, it's hard to do, and it's hard to allow yourself. My final thought would just be the power of the words you speak over yourself, the words you speak over your children, those matter. So the words you use to describe yourself are going to be the way that you think about yourself, which is going to change the way you act, same way you you words you speak over your children, it's going to form the way they think about themselves. It's going to change the way that they act. We know John, the disciple, called himself the one that Jesus loved. He rooted his identity. I am the one Jesus loves. I am his son. I am in his image. I am beloved by God. He is with me. He is for me. He has made me uh, beautifully and wonderfully. I am the righteousness of God. Like we, he lives in that place. And when that's the voice that he's speaking over himself and the boldness, right? Just even the audacity to walk into a room and be like, I'm the one that Jesus loved. I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I know who I am. I'm the one he loves. Do you know how psychologically healthy that is? All right, here's my last thing. There's a, there's a quote from the show, Ted Lasso. And, um, this is random. We're going to close on this. It's not redemptive, but it's funny. There's a quote from the show, Ted Lasso, and uh, the coach asks his star player, would you rather be a lion or a panda? And the star player goes, coach, I'm me. Why would I want to be anything else? And Ted Lasso goes, I don't think you understand how psychologically healthy that is. <laughs> and I think for us, we always go, I want to be that. I want to be that. I want to. No, no, no. I'm the one Jesus loves. Why would I want to be anything else? It's so good. All right, you guys are the best. This has been Grace Parents. Tune in next time we have one of these available. Um, Anika, thank you so much for being here. Always a pleasure. Pastor Corey, you're the man. Love you so much. You guys are the best. Like, subscribe, share this. If this was helpful to you, send it to parents who might be encouraged by it. Uh, we want to come around parents to help them do this thing because you cannot do it alone. And the parents have a massive role in shaping not just their families, but the families in the church and thereby the leaders of the future. Parents, we love you. We're with you in this. God bless y'all. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening in. And we invite you to share this link with someone this week. Have a thought? Leave us a review or comment to keep the conversation going. If you'd like to receive more information or ask questions, you can email us at parents at gracecove.org. 